What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 878 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by Brittany Page, everybody. So we're going on another very short trip this weekend, this time to Boston. And a big difference I've noticed in telling people, hey, we're going to Portland, Maine. They'll say, oh my God, I love Maine. Here's all the places that I've gone that I love. Here's all the things I've done that I love. And then when I say, oh, we're going to Boston, they're like, huh. <laughs> really? Yeah, I've I've had multiple people say, it's not great. <laughs> I love Boston. I mean, I've never been, so I'm I'm eager to see how it goes, but I don't understand why so many people seem to be haters. Yeah, I don't I mean, Boston's not great in a lot of ways. Oh, so for you sure. agree? <laughs> no, no. I I'm a history nerd, so I love I love the history of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I could really dive deep into the history of that cop slide, I think the world would be a better place. <laughs> oh, cop slide. If you're not on Twitter, you probably have no idea what cop slide is, but <laughs> cop slide made Twitter feel like Twitter again. And it was, it's some slide at a playground. And this cop was um, recorded got flying shot out, of, out of it. He got shot out of the bottom of that slide like a fucking rocket. I mean, he may have been wounded he, I don't know what happened I don't think anyone knows what happened but there's like been lines to use the slide or see the slide I don't know it's become like an attraction in Boston apparently we probably unless we're right there we happen to be there we're not we're not making a a, a track a pilgrimage to the cop slide I would hope that people who listen to this show don't need us to tell them that we're not going to visit <laughs> cop slide when we're in Boston on our very short trip to Boston. We are, by the way, going to be seeing Earth, Wind, Fire, and Lionel Richie yeah. in concert mm -hmm. at the TD Garden. Yes. Very excited. Yes, very excited. I'm very excited to see Lionel Richie. Yeah, well, I've been reading some reviews, as one does, before you go to a concert. I don't think one does, by the way. I think that's something you do. Well, here's the frustrating thing is I've tried to read two reviews and both have been behind paywalls and I debated it. I debated paying so I could read the review. What? What, what were you going to, like what site? It like local, oh, wherever okay. they were performing. I think one was in Minnesota, so it was probably like the local St. Paul Oh, paper. you're just, you're tracking, I see. I, for some reason, no, I'm not I obviously, tracking the tour. No, 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 no. I obviously, I mean, I thought it was like 
they're playing in Boston exclusively or something, mm. and you were going to subscribe to the Boston Globe. Oh, no. But no, it's like, you know, the Cincinnati Current or whatever the paper is in what local municipality. Yeah. Well, in my defense, my Google, you know, you have the Google app on your iPhone, and it shows you news articles that may interest you. And typically mine are... Bulldogs, brain tumors, and eye twitching, you know, different things like that. Yeah. But it decided to show me the Earth, Wind & Fire Lionel Richie review of the tour. Yeah. And so then, you know, it invites curiosity. So you want to track down other reviews just to see what's going on. (laughs) Well, we're looking forward to a good time in the Boston we're going to have some good food and some good drink with some good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always uh, it's always good to get out of the city sometimes. Little, I think both of us are a little on edge relative to dropping Sweepy off for her very first time alone, sleeping by herself in the history of her existence. Mm-hmm. I think you're more nervous than me, but, you know, it's still weighing on me. Yeah, well, typically she has... When we have left her, it's been with a sitter who comes to the house to stay with her, which is very nice. And I think Sweepy really loves that because she gets to be in her own area and her own home. And her sitter loves the shit out of her. Yeah. And so that's nice. But yeah, we're, we're, she is unavailable, the sitter. And so we're having to drop her off at a doggy daycare. And we went to three different ones. We didn't just select the first one. We're going to sound the second one. We're going to sound like <laughs> assholes. Well, listen, one of them was outside. One of them is like they they talk about they're the only, well, now everyone's going to know what I'm talking about. Who cares? <laughs> okay, so uh, how is it a selling point that in the summer you're advertising we're the only 100% outdoor Doggy daycare in the city. Yeah, well, great. Well, I want my bulldog in a hundred and twenty degree heat index, dying in the yard. Yeah, I don't get it, especially in the freezing cold. It's freezing yes. cold in the winter time. It's super hot in the summertime. I mean, listen, if it works for your dog, great. It's not like the owners are shitty. It's just that wouldn't work for for us. Yeah, well, and they claim that the dogs also go inside, like they have an area, but they wouldn't let us pass the gate. So we couldn't inspect and see what's actually going on. Again, yeah. we sound... Well, you're using weird words, inspect. <laughs> I went in with my white glove and there was all kinds of dog hair and dust. Oh. No, it just we wanted to check out the situation. Right, so you take issue with inspect, but what is what was your top requirement for a doggy daycare? What was the number one thing that you required of the doggy daycare? What was it? You think I'm embarrassed that I want cameras to be able to see? <laughs> uh, is that inspecting? Is that you know what? supervision? You know what? Listen, this is what I have to say yeah. to you. Mm-hmm. How fucking dare you? Yeah, well. How dare you? Yep. I think we both have problems, and you're not going to be able to find the drop. Yeah, why can't I, can't I find save the drop? You. I can't save you. You can't do it in time. All right, so thank you to our Patreon supporters. That's where we're going now. We are not worrying about the drop, even though he's still continuously searching for it. How dare you, sir? Thank you to our new Patreon supporters. We, By the way, we recorded a bonus Q&A, so we're starting the monthly Patreon bonus episodes. And we did our first one, which was a Q&A. We answered questions that may pique your interest, such as, what do we prefer in terms of our toilet paper orientation? 
our bacon cooked our cooked bacon preferences and others. Is, there, there were some other good. Should ones. pineapple be on pizza? Hmm. Who would we most want to interview? That one, I wish I would have uh, really taken some time on. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Way to really, I'm really sell really the episode. Sell the episode. <laughs> so I was prepared for it. Jesse, I think, learned his lesson that he should also be prepared next time. So thank you to our new Patreon supporters Rachel B. Rachel B. Bradley S. Bradley S. Thomas S. Thomas S. John M. John M. Billy B. Billy B. Kate O. Kate O. And Anna A. Anna Thank you so very much, Patreon supporters. Remember, you can become a Patreon supporter and have access to the ad-free version of the show. Now, that is through pasting that RSS feed link into whatever podcatcher you use to listen to the show, or you can listen through Patreon. But one of the big bonuses about becoming a Patreon supporter is that you get to listen to the ad-free show. So, thank you. We could not do this without you. We appreciate you. Patreon.com slash I Doubt It Podcast. All right. Let's get to some listener communication before we move on. Brittany has been dealing with... I was just going to play it, and then I decided, nah, I'm going to give a little background. Uh, Brittany's been dealing with a perpetual eye twitch for weeks now. You see that it's gone? Yeah, yeah, I don't... Well, sometimes I don't see it, and you feel it, um... No, it's it's been gone. The the left eye where it was fluttering in the eye bag, it's mm-hmm. it's gone. Brittany has been um trying self-administered experimental <laughs> treatments. Um hot compresses, cold, cold. <laughs> like you bought these eye they look like eye shades, but they you toss them in the freezer and they've got gel in them. Mm-hmm. You've, you know, Whatever else you've done. I was trying to shock my eye. Yeah, but it yeah. seems it seems like maybe it worked. And Something worked. We got some <laughs> listener communication about it. Uh, people always have their uh, their advice or, you know, commiserating with your, uh, your current predicament. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. It's Tim from Cape Cod. I was going to call for a whole bunch of other reasons. Every time I listen to your show, I'm like, oh, I got to call about that. But what really compelled me to call this time around was the eye twitch a crisis that Brittany is going through. Crisis. I, I feel your pain because I used to deal with that quite a bit. And what actually solved it for me was magnesium. Uh, it turned out that I had a magnesium deficiency. So about 10 years ago, I started taking magnesium uh, supplements when I take my multivitamin at the end of the day. And the 500 milligrams of magnesium along with the multivitamin I was taking pretty much fixed that problem for me. In fact, looking back, I can't remember in the last 10 years having eye twitching happen again. Now, it wasn't consistent like what you're dealing with apparently, but it did seem to happen at weird times or just at the wrong time where, you know, it was never when I was by myself. It was always like if I was on a date or, you know, I was just (laughs) out around people. So I would look like, you know, I was having a meltdown or malfunctioning or, or maybe my brain was rebooting or maybe it was time to call the ambulance. By the way, don't look at WebMD for anything because as a friend of mine said, Many years ago, according to WebMD, I should have been dead years ago. So <laughs> you can really back yourself into a corner on any of that. And also, I just want to say that I, I don't believe in crystals, essential oils, or incense to solve things. But I do believe in vitamins and mineral intake because I feel like there's a lot of science behind it. And if you do a search for eye twitching and magnesium, I think you'll find a lot of research to back that up. Okay, good luck. I hope it all works out for you. 
Well, Tim, I didn't try that, but I think this could be information that someone else might be able to use if they're trying to kickstart their eye twitch situation. You know, the information I was waiting for the entire time Tim was talking that I never got it was how long it took for the fucking eye twitch to go away Mm. after he started his uh, overdose of magnesium. Yeah. That would be good information, yes. <laughs> I also want to comment on on Tim saying that he always wants to call about so many things. If, if you are in that position, you have to make sure that you have the phone number in your phone, 657-464-7609, so that you can call whenever you decide that you want to correct us or tell us something that we maybe don't know. That would be great. Like... Magnesium, yeah, exactly. And eye twitches, and the the clear, most accurate thing he said was for you to avoid WebMD. Life is a fucking nightmare. Yes, I definitely need to take that advice. All right, thank you, Tim. <laughs> we have an email from Mike in Illinois. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, I've had eye twitches off and on. Someone once told me it was a potassium deficiency, and to eat bananas. Sadly, I've never looked into this, but anecdotally, it seems to address the issue every time it happens. Maybe eat a banana every day this week and see if it helps. I'm off to get a brain scan now. Y'all got me worried about brain tumors. Anyway, all the best. Mike from Illinois, fake doctor, real fan. Here to serve. I think you brought up potassium. I did eat bananas. I eat bananas... Somewhat regularly, though, so... We always have bananas in the house, and I don't eat a lot of bananas, so you eat bananas pretty regularly. Yeah, I mean, they oftentimes get turned into banana bread, so <laughs> that still counts, right? I I think so. Yeah. I mean, are you baking out the potassium? Uh, All right, so thank you for that, Mike. Hopefully those are helpful tips that will help other people, but I am happy to report that the eye fluttering in my left eye is gone. I am, the, the tugging that I'm having on my right bottom eyelid, though, God is damn. still happening. So we'll, we'll just see what happens. I think, I think I'm improving, though. I'm feeling better about it. All right. We have one more email to get to. This is related to the, the cop story that we talked about on the previous episode out of Mississippi, which we also did a YouTube video on that will be coming out this weekend. So if you, if you want to check that out on Jesse's channel. So this email is a little long. I'm going to just kind of summarize the beginning part and then read the end part, which I was given permission to do. Okay. That's nice. So <laughs> this uh, person, let's see the name, uh, Sean R. Sean R. served on a jury where the defendant was a local police sergeant. The victim was a young black man who had been taken behind the precinct and roughed up after an altercation with a police officer in the police station on their way to jail. The victim was handcuffed and the assault was intended to teach the victim a lesson on how they should behave around police. So the reason this crime came to light is only because another member of the police department happened to pull into the parking lot and saw it was happening and then reported it to to their supervisor. That good cop. So I will now read directly from the email after having summarized it. I have been thinking about this whole experience since it happened. As far as police go, I think I've come to the conclusion that we should A, remember the rest of the phrase about bad apples ends with spoils the bunch, and B, maybe start talking about law enforcement officers in general with the phrase a few good apples instead. Maybe not a cab, but M cab. <laughs> Most. <laughs> 
And I'm not sure who I can trust because of that. My other big takeaway from the jury process was with the process itself. We were a truly diverse jury by any measure you want to use, gender, race, political leaning, we had it all. When we finally got to talk about the case after day one, I thought there would be blows. We got through the process by actually listening to each other, letting each other give their full opinion, and believing that everyone's stated opinion was honestly held, even if we vehemently disagreed with it. We were asked to decide on 13-ish, again, several years ago, charges. We found guilty on some, not guilty on others, and we could not decide on a few. And all 12 of us were sure that there would never be unanimous agreement on those. Share as much of this or as little as you care to. Sweepy is the best part because we don't deserve dogs, I say as I glare at my giant hound who will steal my spot on the bed later tonight. If dogs don't count, Brittany's the best part. Sorry, Jesse. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Thanks for everything, Sean R. I, I'm fascinated by the jury experience. And I've never, I was, the only jury I've ever served, the only jury I've ever been called to serve on was that federal grand jury uh, in Southern California. But I always, I always wonder how it would go, especially in a case like this, that, that emotions would be so high. Um, when there are stark differences in how you view the world and how you view, especially this topic, policing, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I think you'd have to be in the room to understand what the different dynamics were and what exactly the points of contention were when, you know, by by his account of the of the of the story, it was not a good situation. So what what laws didn't they break? What crimes didn't they commit? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, and the officer who pulled into the parking lot and saw the crime and then reported it, uh, apparently, according to testimony, according to Sean, the officer that reported the crime was frozen out of the police force to the point where he felt unsafe and left the department. So when we're having this discussion about, you know, a cab or M cab, yeah. <laughs> this is kind of the heart of the problem where you may have some people who join policing thinking that they're going to make a difference or that they want to make a difference and that they feel that's the best way that they can do that. When I was a kid, that was me. I wanted to be a cop and I thought that that was going to be a way that I could make a difference. And I quickly moved away from that as a kid. But um, I think there are some people as adults who feel that way. And then you join the system And you quickly discover that either you're not capable of doing the work that you want to do in the way that you want to do it um, because it is like a gang. And if if you're not behaving in the way that other people behave, if you're not violating people's rights, then you're going to be having a problem. And either you join them and become like them or you're driven out. Yeah, I was going to say that the system itself of policing disincentivizes. And then I, I thought better of using that word. It actually is punitive. It punishes you if you are a good cop and it rewards through inaction or even promotion of bad behavior. Um, it rewards the bad cops. It mm-hmm. the that, that's why we talk about it's a systemic failure of policing all across the board, not just a few bad apples. It's, mm-hmm. it's just wrong. Yeah. 
So I think that's really the dilemma. I mean, when you hear stories like this where, oh, a cop reported it. Great. Yeah. And where's that cop? He's not a cop anymore. Yeah. And then that's scary because what happened to the other cops who wanted to be making a difference or do the right thing. Well, oftentimes, if they do commit the crime, then they can just go to another police department and get hired. And then if they kill Tamir Rice, they just move a few towns down and get another job. Well, and even... As a cop. Yeah, well, and even the case in Mississippi that we talked about last time, we didn't get to this piece on the show. We did in the YouTube video because we went a little bit deeper on the case in the YouTube video. But one of the cops that, um, that, that... Pleaded guilty? Yeah. I always struggle with the... Why don't you say pled guilty? Do you know? I, I think that you, it used to be very, very common that people just said pled guilty, mm-hmm. and but the correct way is that they pleaded guilty. All right. So one of the cops that... So if you're asking me like to break it down, I fucking, I don't know. Come on, grammar lesson. Let's I just go. do what I'm told. Listen, I do what I'm told. Schoolhouse rock right now. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the officers who pleaded guilty was involved in the death of a man in 2021. He admitted to punching and tasing the man, and the man died. And the grand jury refused to bring charges against him because there wasn't enough evidence. And now, here we are, he's a part of the goon squad torturing people. See, that means, by not being able to secure an indictment that was brought before a grand jury, that means the prosecutor didn't want to indict and didn't bring the evidence... That would convince a jury. That's all that means. Right. So when you were talking about one cop can just go to another precinct or whatever, get hired in a different city, it's also how many instances, how many violations, how many reports of bad behavior, and you get to continue doing your job until you finally cross the line. Right. Like if if that cop had been stopped five years ago when, when he was tasing and ended up killing someone... Uh, if he had been stopped then, the kidnap and torture incident may not have happened because he wouldn't have been on the force. The bad cop had been re- would have been removed. Right. Yeah. And we're having this conversation here in D.C. right now because the I think there's more murders have happened this year so far. It's it's we're on record to have the most murders in this like year. twenty years yeah. or something. Yeah. And every every night I I wake up to a new alert that there was a shooting in the middle of the night, at least one. And and so there's this conversation happening around crime and one of the DC council members is wanting the National Guard to be stationed in DC. I'd love to get that guy in and talk to him because that's a fucking terrible idea. Well, and my thing is I <laughs> you drive around DC, you walk around DC and there's cops everywhere. There's cops everywhere. They're in the metro. They're outside of the metro. They're everywhere. They're scrolling on their phones, on their Instagram. I've got pictures. Yeah, I don't that's know how what many, they're doing. I don't know how many pictures I have in my camera roll of cops sitting on 14th Street on their motorcycles, just scrolling on Instagram, just on their phones, not paying attention, ostensibly not doing their fucking jobs. So this entire outcry about we need more police. No, 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 no. We need the same amount of police. We just need police who do their fucking jobs. Right. I mean, we need more police who are going to say, I'm not valued, so I'm not going to do my job. Yeah. I mean, no, that's not the answer. I and mean, when I call the Metropolitan Police about death threats, it's crickets. I don't hear back. Or they, they assign to someone and then nothing happens. It's not until I call the FBI that something actually starts to move. Ugh. All right. So 657-464-7609 or idoubtit at dollamore.com.
Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we're going to spend some time talking about kind of the state of the Republican primary because we are rapidly approaching the first debate, which Mike Pence just qualified for. <laughs> I don't know what these people are doing. What are these clowns doing that are barely qualifying for the first debate that aren't even qualifying for the first debate? Like Asa Hutchinson, like yeah. Larry Elder, I think, is running for president. Like, what are they doing? I don't understand, like, especially like a guy like Mike Pence. Like, a lot of these idiots are kind of vying to be Donald Trump's vice presidential pick. Right. That's not what's happening with Mike Pence. Yeah. I mean, he would really have to be completely detached from reality to think that Donald Trump would name him as vice president again. Yes. Yeah. Well, Ron DeSantis's primary problem right now is that he's like Homelander. I see what you did there. I didn't even mean to do that, but that's pretty good. primary problem. Is he's like (laughs) Homelander from the The Boys. I was about to say Vought and said The Voice. He's like Homelander from The Boys, where, you know, Homelander, if you haven't seen The Boys, first of all, go watch it. I had zero interest in watching it. And then other people besides Jesse told me to watch it. And I was like, oh, okay, for sure. Yeah, that's how it happens. I know you make a joke about it, but that's what happens. (laughs) And, uh... Anyway, there's a character who's a terrible person who, as soon as a camera is on him, he, like, you know, smiles. But then as soon as it's off or he's allowed to be his true self, the smile fades and he's a maniac. And this is what's happening to Ron DeSantis. He's being caught on camera repeatedly having these moments. And Where it just it indicates that it's just innate. It is who he is. Yeah, he just doesn't like people. He's not social. And that's okay. I mean, I'm... I'm not standing in judgment of Ron DeSantis because really if I tried to run for president, I would be in this exact situation. You would catch me smiling and then being exhausted by the social interaction yeah, and you, begging to go home and, you know and looking you're at lame. my watch. Like, what time is it? Is it time for bed? Yeah, or you, are we know, gonna- <laughs> you know you're lame. Yes, yes. So it's not an indictment of that behavior. It's you don't get to be president, man, because it deals with Really, any politi- any political position. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that I don't care about people. I love people. It's just I get drained and I could not do the... Anxiety and everything else. Yeah, so, okay. Ron DeSantis, in addition to not having a personality, is also um, a fascist. So that's kind of the more important thing that I think we sometimes forget about when we're like, huh, he's not good at retail politics. He doesn't have a personality. Like, beyond not having a personality, he's also just not a good person and is actually a dangerous person to have in power. And we got a reminder of this on Tuesday when he suspended an Orlando area state attorney, Monique Worrell, a Democrat, the only black woman serving as a local prosecutor in Florida, uh, suspended her. And this is the second time he's done this. We support the men and women who wear the uniform, uh, who protect and serve. Uh, It means we have strong policies to hold criminals accountable for their misconduct. Prosecutors have a duty to faithfully enforce the law. One's political agenda cannot trump this solemn duty. Refusing to faithfully enforce the laws of Florida puts our communities in danger and victimizes innocent Floridians. Accordingly, I am today announcing the suspension 
of State Attorney Monique Worrell from the Ninth Judicial Circuit effective immediately. I'm appointing Judge Andrew Bain to take over as State Attorney for the Ninth Judicial Circuit. Judge Bain. So, Ron DeSantis uses this as a talking point for his campaign because, like I said, this is the second time he's done this. In August of last year, he suspended a Tampa area area prosecutor, and uh, that's after that prosecutor was saying that he would not bring charges under Florida's 15-week abortion ban. And he says, Ron DeSantis, in like fundraising emails and in speeches, that he's the only elected official in America to remove a progressive Soros-funded district attorney. So like he's he's touting this. He's he's signaling to people this is one of my achievements. I remove these progressives from office even though they are elected. Yeah, that's that's the rub here. It's that he didn't appoint it's not like a US attorney like in the federal system where the president appoints them and then they get confirmed or whatever. This is a direct elect from the electorate, from the constituency that 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 they represent in their municipality. They're an elected official that Ron DeSantis is removing and then appointing his own crony in that spot extra democratically on the on the outside margins of what is permissible with his power. It is fascism. Yeah, and you might be asking, well, how can he do this? What what can they do about it? And I'm really not sure how to answer that question. I know that the prosecutor that he suspended last year, um, a federal judge called that decision unconstitutional, but ultimately said that he was unable to overturn the suspension. And then a challenge that was filed by that prosecutor was later thrown out by you know a DeSantis-friendly Florida Supreme Court. Yeah. So. I don't know what the legal recourse is, but I do know that after the announcement was made, State Attorney Monique Worrell responded to Ron DeSantis removing her. All right. Well, good morning. I think this is the moment we've all been waiting for. Uh, if we're mourning every, anything this morning, it is the loss of democracy. I am your duly elected state attorney for the Ninth Judicial Circuit. And nothing done by a weak dictator can change that. This is an outrage. One year, three years ago, I was elected by the people of the Ninth Judicial Circuit to lead this circuit. And yes, to do things unconventionally to do things differently. But I didn't hide, I didn't say that I would do things and I didn't do them. I didn't say I wouldn't do things and not did them. I did exactly what I said I would do and that is what you want from an elected official. So Florida right now is an absolute hellscape uh, at at the behest of Ron DeSantis and because of the DeSantis worshiping state legislature the republican state legislature they made all kinds of rule changes relative to well for instance there was a state law in florida that the governor of florida could not remain governor and run for president at the same time until they changed it so desantis could run they put that law into place 
to curtail a Democrat governor from doing so, but then changed it so Ron DeSantis could run. There's been all kinds of things that have been special circumstances, changes in the law by the Republican Florida uh, legislature to help assist Ron DeSantis usurp democracy. Yeah, and so again, when we talk about Ron DeSantis not having a personality and all these kind of funny things, the important thing to remember is the most dangerous thing about him is that he's a fascist. And he still is leaning into some of the culture war stuff that he loves and you know they love to talk about Republicans San Francisco and Ron DeSantis decided to tell a story about time that he spent in San Francisco governed by leftist ideology and leftist politicians throughout this country they have failed San Francisco failed LA failed Illinois how do I know because people move from those places come to my state and tell me about how bad it is you know sometimes I don't even believe it I mean I had a guy tell me like you know in San Francisco um, you know they'll just defecate on the sidewalk they use drugs out in public no problem and I'm like really well I happen to be in San Francisco a month or two ago and within 10 minutes of me being in the city I see some guy relieving himself on the sidewalk with number two and like I mean it's just I've never seen things like this before but it shows you this is driven by leftist ideology So Donald Trump is calling Chris Christie a fat pig in his campaign speeches, and Ron DeSantis uses the phrase number two. I'm sorry, but he's not going to be elected. It's not going to happen. Not only that, the thing he just said did not happen. We were at a campaign event, and all my security, they just let a guy come in and just take a dump right at my feet. (laughs) Like that, come on. I mean, obviously... um, There is a problem with homelessness all across the country. San Francisco is not immune from that. And if you don't have a home and you don't have um, a public bathroom and you have to go, what do you do? Mm -hmm. What, What do you do? It's easy. If you're listening to this, it's likely you're not homeless. You don't suffer from these problems. You're not... um, you're not subjected to the terror and the horror of not having shelter. So it might be difficult to understand, but imagine a moment in your life where you had to take a number two and, oh shit, this is a fucking emergency. What am I going to do? Imagine living that way all the time. Yeah, I mean, I've never been in that situation. What? (laughs) I'm kidding. I was going to say, oh, for people. I'm in one of those situations right now, Brittany. (laughs) I mean, who knows what that's like? I can only imagine. (laughs) I think... Brittany, um, what she calls it is an eminent tum-tum. It's eminent. Exactly. See? I Not president material. I call it a tum-time. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I to mock Rhonda Sanders for saying number two? Anyway. All right. We can laugh at the crumbling So he's democracy. just a lying uh, demagogue. This is, it's just, again, it's its take, he's Donald Trump Jr. in this way, where he wants to demonize blue states as though in his state, in his little little world, no homeless people ever use the bathroom in public, ever. Sorry, that's only a San Francisco thing. Shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So moving on from Ron DeSantis to Donald Trump, who is exciting news, continuing to have a rough go of it in terms of his legal problems, but is still maintaining a substantial lead above all the other Republicans in the Republican primary. Uh, yet to decide whether or not he's going to be in the debate. We'll see if he ends up showing up, but of course he is qualified to be there. So it was announced this week that uh, Special Counsel Jack Smith's office actually obtained a search warrant for Donald Trump's Twitter account earlier this year, searching for evidence of criminal offenses. A newly unsealed court document gives us a clue about how the special counsel built the case around Donald Trump. Uh, we're back here at the table with our legal team, starting with uh, you, Caitlin Polance. You have been reading through this. What can you tell us? I have. So we just got this court decision from the D.C. Circuit, the appeals court. It was a case that was under seal. Very curious what it was. And now we know it was a case between the special counsel's office, the people investigating January 6th and Donald Trump and Twitter. And what happened was in January, the special counsel investigators went to Twitter and they said, we have a search warrant and we would like data and records related to Donald Trump's Twitter account at real Donald Trump. At that time, uh, they didn't comply right away. Twitter had some sort of hiccups. They took a little bit of time. They faced a fine of $350,000 for delaying producing those records. And then why this ended up in court is because the Justice Department didn't want Twitter to tell Donald Trump that they were seeking this information. And they won that ability not to have Twitter disclose to Donald Trump, the client of Twitter, right, as the account holder, that this search was going to be taking place of his Twitter account. And the reason is really interesting. It's outlined here in that the court that they went before, the special counsel's office went before, believed that there was reasonable grounds uh, to say that if they were to tell Donald Trump they were doing this search on his Twitter account, it could seriously jeopardize the ongoing investigation. He could potentially want to destroy evidence, change patterns of behavior or, quote, notify Confederates. There's also a footnote in here about how there was a discussion of whether he might flee from prosecution if he knew the search was being discussed. The Justice Department ultimately walked that back, but that was something that the judge also had to look at. Would Donald Trump flee? <laughs> because they wanted to look at his Twitter? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so according to reporting from NBC News, the government told Trump's team about the warrant in June. But, of course, Trump is using this as an opportunity to gin up his base. And so when the news broke, he said that he had just found out mm -hmm. that crooked Joe Biden's DOJ secretly attacked my Twitter account, making it a point not to let me know about this major hit on my civil rights. <laughs> does, does the First Amendment even exist anymore is also what he says in there. Oh. So... There's two aspects of this that I think are very, very telling. Maybe three. One, generally, is that Jack Smith is getting it fucking done. Jack Smith is in it for the win here. And he's being very forward-looking and wide-ranging in his understanding of what is at stake. Also, that he's doing things secretly knowing knowing that Donald Trump is likely to destroy evidence. Seven months ago, he made the argument to a judge, uh, an argument that the judge accepted. And now we know that absolutely Donald Trump is willing, ready, able, 
and will pull the trigger on deleting evidence, as he did with the surveillance video from Mar-a-Lago. But also, that if he finds out that we're in his Twitter, he's going to change patterns of his behavior and tell Confederates, to tell his co-conspirators what is happening so they can take efforts, uh, go to lengths to also cover themselves and their crimes. This is all good news. And also, we're just finding out about this seven or eight months later. Uh, What else does he know? What else does he have that we don't know that he has relative to the personal supposedly private communications of Donald Trump in the lead-up to attempting to end democracy in America by overturning a free and fair election. Were those all three points? I think I so. wasn't counting them. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Um, those That's were, prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. I mean, I just, I don't want to interrupt. I want to make sure that you're able to get your three points out before I move on to the next clip All which right. which is Donald Trump this is going to be a juxtaposition i know we don't need more evidence of of Donald Trump being a hypocrite but this is going to be a clip in the beginning of Donald Trump from 2020 and then a clip of him this year and this is on the topic of telling a sitting president telling their attorney general to indict their political opponent. So we're going to listen to Donald Trump in 2020 and Donald Trump in 2023 and see how things have changed. Unless Bill Barr indicts these people for crimes, the the greatest political crime in the history of our country, then uh, we're going to get little satisfaction unless I win and we'll just have to go because I won't forget it. But these people should be indicted. This was the greatest political crime in the history of our country. And that includes Obama and it includes Biden. But is this going to be the future of elections in America where a sitting president tells his tells his attorney general to indict the opponent, to try and knock the opponent down? This is what's happening. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Oh, it's so good. You know, the, the saying that gets tossed around a lot, I repeat it a lot on YouTube, that every... Every accusation is an admission of guilt. Everything is projection with these people. He's accusing Biden of doing the exact same thing that he did time after time after time in the short time that he was president as a one-term fucking loser. Mm -hmm. So, So Donald Trump is obviously still ahead in the Republican primary, I think will continue to be. He recently sat down with Eric Bowling over on Newsmax Ugh, and McGee. talked about how he doesn't think Ron DeSantis has a personality, that he's not going to be the one to gain any traction. And he brought up Tim Scott that he think will start to rise. And I think the people that Donald Trump chooses to attack kind of give you some insight into what he's thinking. And he has started attacking Chris Christie. And Chris Christie has been really the only candidate who is directly attacking Donald Trump yeah. in a way that is somewhat Trump-esque, right? In in terms of, you know, Ron DeSantis is like using the phrase number two. Chris Christie, I think, is not someone who's going to be using the phrase number two to talk about shit. And in this clip, you'll see why. But this is a direct response to what I said earlier, where Donald Trump was at a campaign event and he 
started mocking Chris Christie, saying that he was probably eating right now, and then, you know, did a bit with the crowd where he said, don't call him a fat pig, don't call him a fat pig. He was talking to someone in the audience as though, like, fake chastising someone who he's acting like was calling Chris Christie a fat pig. But it was clear, and it's also clear because when Donald Trump then put on Truth Social about it, Don Jr. on Twitter tweeted a photo of it with a bunch of laughing emojis. Obviously, it was a scripted thing Mm -hmm. that he was just calling him a fat pig without saying, I think Chris Christie is a fat pig. And that's why I said it was a bit, because it was clearly a bit. But Chris Christie has responded to this directly and immediately responded on Twitter saying, show up at the debate. And he's, he's really going hard with telling Donald Trump, if you have something to say, say it to me in person at the debate. He's a big talker when we're a few miles away from each other. He's got a lot to say when he's got a phone in his hand posting something on social media we're gonna know what he's really made of if we see whether he shows up two weeks from tonight or not on that stage because i'll tell you one thing for sure i will be there and i am waiting for him and then we'll answer him because where i grew up and the way i was raised was a man who has something to say to another man, comes up to him and looks him in the eye and says it to him. And a coward does the opposite. So we'll see if the coward shows up two weeks from tonight in Milwaukee, but I will be there. Yes, It's really the only recourse that Chris Christie has, and it's wise to do, Mm -hmm. because if you can go Donald Trump into acting against his own best interest, which it would be, What's the upside of Donald Trump showing up to this debate? He's crushing in the polls. He is absolutely fucking dominating these other ding-dongs. And showing up would only possibly cause his star to dim. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. So good on Chris Christie. I mean, he's also, it's the same thing we've talked about in the past. It's what changed all of a sudden the only reason chris christie is now acting like donald trump is a danger is because he wants to be president himself but he was there the entire administration from the transition all the way through supporting and advocating for donald trump the entire time Mm -hmm. through all of the fascism all of the insanity all of the stepping out of what is normal for a president of the united states chris christie was there for it yeah so yeah fuck you dude Well, he doesn't have a strong response to that criticism either. I've seen him interviewed and asked this question multiple times at this point. And his defense is basically, people make mistakes. I made a mistake. And I mean, again, when so many people... Donald Trump has been the same person for his entire life. So the arguments of, you know, I made a mistake or I thought he would be different. I thought that by joining forces with him i could help get him under control or help guide him to do the right thing like no he's been the same person so you you knew what you were getting into i think it will be interesting to see what happens at the debate because obviously it would be in all the candidates best interests to join forces together to try to take trump down by stopping with the talking point that there is um 
something wrong with this case that has been brought. Yeah. And that it is the political opposition attacking a candidate, blah, blah, blah. They need to be going after him and say, hey, a candidate who has like three indictments and who has to organize his court calendar around running for Mm -hmm. president is probably not someone that should be running for president. And it will be interesting to see what the candidates on the stage actually say if he does show up. Are they going to be obsequious and continue to defend Donald Trump while he's standing there? Like, is that Ron DeSantis's plan like he has been doing? Or are they actually going to decide to take a different route and challenge him directly and take the Chris Christie approach? I would predict also that they're going to get a, a little assist, a little boost from Fox News. I think there's they're, they're, because Fox News is such a rating driven entertainment network, they're going to do everything they can do to get clicks and replays on their clips. And they're going to be asking questions that are just softball, easy setup for the knocking it out of the park for each one of these candidates. And it's the candidates who are going to take advantage of those moments who will rise in the polls. Yeah. So don't worry. We will be covering the debate like we normally do. If you are a new listener, we typically do an episode for every debate. So look for I don't that. See, I don't see that changing. Yeah. Look for that. So you you talked about Fox News. Jesse, I want to check in with Fox News and just see how things are going. They're still <laughs> very much Team Trump, and that was evident in Greg Gutfeld's comments on, what is the show, The Five, on The Five, where he basically talked about how there's no way to know if an election was stolen. Real-world experience teaches you that Things, everything, every institution can be corrupted, can be exploited. The Biden family has showed us that clearly that, you know, politics, everything, finance. You know, I think what bothers me is the media has spent decades saying how every system is rigged. Right. The justice system, housing, finance, the defense industry, the cops, everything is broken. Everything is broken except the elections when we win. Right. Yeah. Then it's pristine. It's impervious to cheating. You know, we would, we don't know if the election, by and large, with 50 states is, was corrupted or whatnot. It's unprovable, but it's it, it can't be proven either way. Mm, yes. That's some rock-solid logic there. <laughs> it can't be disproven. Therefore, it's probable. Oh, God. Let's, let, let's run through a, a one or two things that can't be disproven. I have before you, Brittany, an invisible elf who can grant wishes. Oh, how exciting. You can't see them, Mm -hmm. but you can't disprove Mm. that they they exist. Mm -hmm. So, fuck you, checkmate. I guess I would just not talk about the invisible elf if that were the case. Just kind of bow out of the conversation on that. Well, I guess I'm Greg Gutfeld. (laughs) Well, what's interesting about Greg Gutfeld using the phrase specifically that the Biden family has shown us this clearly is that you have, what's his name, James Comer? Yeah. Leading the charge on this whole like Biden investigation situation. And he was actually on Fox and Friends, which is the most willing audience for any kind of propaganda that, that they are just so desperate to have any kind of propaganda be on their show. And Steve Ducey, father of Nepo baby Peter Ducey, decided to ask, in, in a very direct way, 
you know, make it easy for the audience. He, he says this, make it easy for the audience and tell us what you have on Biden. So make it easy for us. What was the crime? Well, the crime is uh, trading policy for for money. Which policy? Well, we're going to get into that. I mean, look, <laughs> Joe Biden has, on day one, he changed our energy policy in America that uh, put China first and America last. He went in on day one and, and ended the China initiative, which was an investigation at all our public universities of a very organized Chinese spy ring where China was sending students to universities to steal our research and development. So you're saying because members of the, uh, the Hunter Biden family and the extended Joe Biden family got money mm -hmm. through various foreign entities, including uh, things like things from China, mm -hmm. that the president is compromised. Absolutely. Words, 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 yeah, words. Zero. Words, words, words. Listen, I think the audience knows if there was a crime that we suspected Biden committed, we'd be all over that criticizing and calling for him to resign or his removal. You know who else would be all over that? <laughs> who would be all over making it easy for the audience if there was actually something there? James Comer? Yeah, he would have had something <laughs> specific to say. Yeah. Instead, Peter Ducey had to step in. Steve Ducey. Uh, sorry, it's hard, to, it's keep, one hard to keep track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Steve Ducey stepped in and had to, like, word salad something and insert China a few times in order to make it sound nefarious for the, for the viewers, for the Fox audience. Yeah, even... Um, Peter Ducey yesterday confronted Biden face-to-face -face asking a question about, you know, Devin, uh, Tra whatever that fucking guy's name is. I thought you were doing a Californian's bit right now. No, no. <laughs> Devin whatever uh, t testified before James Comer's committee. He's a, he's a former uh, associate of Hunter Biden. And he explicitly said any time that Joe Biden was, like, put on the phone to say hi to someone, business absolutely was not discussed. He explicitly said that. And Peter Ducey lied in the question to Biden and said, Devin, whatever the fuck his name is, Archer. Is that his name, Devin Archer? That sounds right. Devin Archer, he said you were discussing business on the phone. It it was a... Sh I mean, he, he purports to be, pretends to be a journalist, and it was absolutely gateway pundit bullshit that he did uh, right face-to-face -to, -face to Biden. Crazy as fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Fox News continuing to have a difficult time navigating the waters with all of the, you know, splintering that's happening within the Republican Party. But it seems to me that they are still staunchly behind Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. So some good news did happen this week in Ohio. And I know that that's strange, but yeah. <laughs> the voters in Ohio really took care of biz because there was um, something on the ballot, issue one. And the voters overwhelmingly, I'm talking 57 to 43 percent, yeah. rejected an effort to make it harder to change the state constitution. And basically what the plan is that the Republicans knew that there was an upcoming abortion vote to basically solidify abortion rights in the state. And so they had this idea to make it more difficult to change the state constitution going from a simple majority 50 plus one to requiring a supermajority of 60 percent yeah and that way it would have been impossible to enshrine abortion rights what what's interesting about this is just how nakedly corrupt they were in how they went about it 
Back in October of 2022, a poll was done um, among uh, Iowa, or excuse me, Ohio voters, um, and it was 59. Remember that number? 59% said they would agree with amending the state constitution to to um, allow abortion, to protect abortion rights, reproductive health rights. 59%. And then the, the Republicans, they come up with this plan to make it so you need a 60% majority to amend the Constitution. Just one more point than what the polling said. And they said in, Oct- uh, in August 2023, the, the election that just happened, a special election for it, even though months earlier they had prohibited August special elections unless it, a congressional seat needed to be filled right it yeah. is it's just it's just corrupt naked corruption which by the way is kind of the norm for the republican legislature in ohio mm-hmm. well what's happening is every time these states put abortion on the ballot we see that the pro-choice yeah. position is winning and instead of taking a lesson from that Republicans still seem to be in denial because we had Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose responding to the loss in Ohio. And I just want you to hear the level of denial. So your initiative would make it harder to change the state constitution. Uh, Right now, simple majority, 50% plus, uh, but you wanted it 60%. That failed. What's Ohio telling you? Well, I tell you what, 1.3 million Ohioans stood with us in another free and fair election. We released the results on election night. That's this thing we do in Ohio. Other states should check out. Proud to say that as Ohio's chief elections officer. But you're right. The other side prevailed. This is just one battle in a much larger war, though, because the all-out assault on Ohio is coming from the radical left. I mean, look at the tech billionaires from California and New York that funded the no campaign. And they've got other bad plans. This radical abortion amendment this November that takes away parental rights. Uh, they, they want to bring a minimum wage increase, a massive increase in minimum wage to Ohio that would put Ohioans out of work. And even the mayor of Cleveland said last week, he said the quiet part out loud, they want to do common sense gun reform, which means they want to disarm law-abiding citizens. So yeah, we lost uh, one battle, but the war continues, and I've just begun to fight. So Frank, It's interesting that he has uh, the bizarre temerity to well, 1.3 million Ohioans were they were with us, but the, the the radical left did win. So he's calling 1.77 million Ohioan Ohioans um, radical left. 57 percent of Ohio who voted radical left mm-hmm. when there was a coalition of both leftists and liberals and Democrats and even Republicans in Northeast Ohio who overwhelmingly voted for this because of the fact that they saw this as a naked anti-democratic power grab. Yeah, and actually Ohio is increasingly conservative. Donald Trump won by eight percentage points in 2020, and uh, state legislators voted to ban almost all abortions, a policy that has uh, been blocked for now. But Ohio is actually the fourth red state that, that is joining Kansas, Kentucky, and Montana to have voted on abortion rights since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. And every time 
states hold these votes. The pro-choice side wins. So it's remarkable to hear. I mean, you you pointed out that he's calling the majority of people radical leftists when they're voting to protect abortion rights. Uh, He also used the phrase that um, the upcoming vote to codify abortion rights is going to take away parental rights. Yeah. (laughs) They keep running with this term. Oh, yeah. That it's an attack on parental rights. They ran ads they really ran hard on uh, anti-trans bigotry in their ads uh, against or in favor of issue one because it was a yes vote to make it 60 percent a no vote to make to 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 continue on with 50 percent yeah so it's been four red states seven states in total that have uh voted on abortion rights since Roe versus Wade was overturned all of those votes have been in favor of the pro-choice side and yet you have not just not just him, not just the Secretary of State of Ohio, but also Laura Ingram yeah, doubl- doubling down. They're not reading the room at all. Overturning Roe versus Wade is the greatest accomplishment the conservative movement has had since the end of the Cold War. We should be proud of it and build on it, not run away from it. Good, I agree. Don't run away from it. Yeah. Keep telling everyone that Keep. you are the party that did it. You took away, you overturned Roe v. Wade. You are responsible for all, all these abortion restrictions. You are the reason that uh, pregnant people cannot access health care, that women are having to sue the state of Texas because they ended up infertile after b- having no access to an abortion you go ahead and you take responsibility for all of these things and make sure you do it loudly proudly and on a continuous basis keep doing it they don't seem to give a single shit about the fact that from a longevity standpoint all they're doing is fucking themselves without a doubt because you know there's a few voters who who will this message will resonate with Donald Trump baby but the people who actually care which is fewer and fewer and fewer in the Republican Party, they're not going to be down with this. Mm-hmm. So good on you, Laura Ingram. Good on you, Republicans. Keep keep it up. Like We'll we, we just we'll sit back and watch the, the self-immolation and uh, be happy about it. Yeah, good luck. We would love to know what you think. Thanks for joining us today. 657-464-7609. You can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We would invite you, nay, encourage you to check out becoming a Patreon supporter on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. Choose your tier, look at the benefits, see what's involved, and we would invite you to help produce and support the work we do here that we feel is important. If, If you find that we bring you value, if you laugh, if you cry, if you are informed, please consider $2 a month and help support the show. We will see you next time on the other side of us going to Boston. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.